Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. You know, <laughs> in these days, that word resilient is probably more profound than we, I think we understand with what we are, or what we have faced in these last three years, it is exponentially increasing, even now and in the days, months, and the years ahead, we are gonna need to be resilient. And this series, like, Pastor Jason, that guy can preach. Like, he's a preacher, just like, powerful. Um, so I'm going to be sharing on counterculture today and being resilient and what that means for us countering our present day culture. And after I share this, because I guarantee it's, it's, it's not going to be very long. And the Lord has been stirring in my heart this morning about a word, and I was really kind of, well, I don't know, Lord, let me, I'll just put that aside. I'm not really sure if you want me to share that today. Um, I always want to weigh something when you get it. Just because you get it doesn't mean you have to release it, correct? But after they sang that song, We Believe, I just went, the Lord said, uh-huh. So I believe the Lord has a prophetic word for us today. And, and I'm going to share it after I, I teach, but it's going to bless you. The Lord is so for you. He is for you. He is so for you that he gave everything, his life, not for us just to subsist or not for us just to um, struggle day to day. He has come to bring a manifestation of his very life. And that life encompasses the fullness of who he is. Okay, I, I got to stop because I'm just going to go in that vein. Um, okay, let's look at Ephesians 6.10. I'm just going to pray first. Father, we thank you that there is such a precious anointing here today. And we want to honor that. We want to honor you in that. That you never come to a meeting, you're here. The second we walked into the door, you were here. We're not worshiping for you to come, we're worshiping because you've already come. Thank you for that. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the manifestation of your anointing because it breaks every yoke of bondage. And we thank you for that. And I thank you that this word will come forth, Lord, and you will do what you need to do with this word in everyone's life. It's not our responsibility to see that come to pass. That is your responsibility to see your word be fulfilled and never return void. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Ephesians 6.10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Do we have it up there? Awesome. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That word is, is the Greek word method. 
that we may stand against the methods of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So one of Paul's points here is that it is a we mentality. We wrestle. This is a we mentality where the church gathers together in unity and it's a we that we are, we are battling this darkness together, not individually. That's how the enemy works. He, he'll, he'll, it's like a pack of wolves or they'll do the same thing or lions. They will, they will distract the, the, the herd to get the one weak one out of the way and away from the herd. And once, he's done, once they've done that, it's easy killings. So Paul is emphasizing a mentality of we here. So <laughs> I don't want to be stuck. Take the tape off your shoes. <laughs> so I want to make a statement, and please forgive me. I'm not, I don't want it to sound condescending. That's not my heart. But it's this. Do you realize we come here every Sunday for a greater purpose than just coming every Sunday? Would you agree with me on that? You can yell at me. Throw things, I don't care. Just respond. I'm, I'm totally cool with that. So if we were to do a survey in here today, and I'm not asking anybody to raise up their hands, but this is a transparent question. And it is a question that the Lord asked me for me to look at myself. And it's this. If we were to take a survey and genuinely ask each and every one of us, do you feel connected? Do you feel integrated? Do you feel supported? Do you feel like a we, or do you feel alone and that you're doing your Christian walk in life by yourself? Now, I, <laughs> I know anytime we attach the word feel, it's deceiving because our feelings are fickle and they change from one second to another. And I know that detachment and loneliness can a lot of the time be self-inflicted instead of corporately inflicted. Would you agree with that? But if our sense, after we leave the we, that it's only me, then either me or the we we've lost the understanding of what the love of God is. We are getting somewhere. So 2 Timothy 2.15, and I, I want to share this because this is going to, uh, this key is going to enable you to reinforce and to grow the resilience of God's love in you. And it's 2 Timothy 2.15. It says, study to show yourself approved. Okay, so I used to always think, and this is why I would spend sometimes 
10, 12, 16 hours a day studying. Because I, I read that verse and it's like, Lord, I, I want to be, be approved by you, Lord. So I studied and studied. And then you start going, yeah, I'm approved because I studied 10 hours. 10, count them. But that's not what this verse is saying. It's saying study to show yourself that you already are approved. It's not your studying that makes you approved. It's studying to show yourself you're already approved. And that word means to be accepted and acceptable. For us to be resilient, we need to be operating from this understanding of just not being accepted, but being acceptable. There's a vast difference in those two words. Being accepted or, and, and being acceptable. So how did Jesus know? Or how did the disciples know they were accepted? Well, Jesus called them. They're, you're accepted. Come, follow me. How did the disciples know they were acceptable? The three years, three and a half years that he was discipling them, he never left them no matter what mistake or failings they had. So it moved from being accepting, now they're acceptable. Um, it's, it's like, you remember in, in elementary when you're out playing sports and you had two captains, right? And the two captains, right away, they're picking, oh yeah, I'll take Melissa, she's awesome. And you know, I'll take him and I'll take him. And finally there's the last guy. And the, and the guy's going, oh, I got to pick him. I'm the last. I got to pick him. Okay, Bob, come on. He was accepted, but he wasn't acceptable in his eyes. Huge difference. So it's, note, word, uh, it's worth noting in verse 10 where it says, My brethren, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. The word strong here means to be inwardly strengthened in soul and purpose. To be inwardly strengthened with soul and purpose. So we are strengthened in soul knowing we are loved. Well, how do we know we're loved? Because we are accepted and acceptable to him. Now, would you say this with me? Say, thank you, Heavenly Father. I'm accepted by you and I'm acceptable to you. You want to have a revival in your own mind? Begin to say this over your life every day. Thank you, Lord. I'm accepted by you, and I'm acceptable to you. So Paul is admonishing us corporately to be strengthened inwardly in soul and purpose. Actually, <laughs> he's, he's more than admonishing because it, this verse is in the imperative voice, which he's means he's commanding the corporate body to come into this strengthening of soul and purpose. So before we can lead with purpose, we must be first, 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 first strengthened in soul and purpose individually to move into it collectively. You know, it's, it's like the analogy when you're flying on a plane and you ever, anyone been in turbulence before? like bad turbulence where you've thought, okay, this is it. I start praying in tongues instantly. Oh, Lord. I remember Melissa and I were on a flight, and 
she goes, I, I just don't want to do this. I, I, I can't do it. I've never flown before. I said, it's okay. I've been on hundreds and hundreds of flights with business and just, I'd never thought it. I just, yeah, there's turbulence once in a while. I said, honey, it's okay. I prayed the blood of Jesus on this flight. Um, you know, we're going to be fine. In the middle of the flight, she turns over to me and I'm praying in tongues. And then she just went white as a sheet. Because she knows if I started praying in tongues, it's got to be bad. We made it. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's like being in a plane in turbulence. The masts fall down. What do you do? What happens if you have a child beside you? You put your own mask on first. Before we can help anyone else, we need to be ensured that we have the capacity and the capa capability to be able to bring that help to someone else. So it's individually and then moves corporately. 1 Corinthians 1.10, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment, resolve, and purpose. That's what the word judgment there means. Resolve and purpose. Same mind, same resolve, and same purpose. So this is the culture of the church. If you didn't know, unity in speech, unity in mind, unity in resolve, unity in purpose. But all of this, as good as they are, has to be rooted and motivated in love. Revelations 2, 2 and 3. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil. But you have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. Wow. These guys are on the ball. The church of Ephesus here. Revelations 2, 4, and 5. But the Lord then says, I have this against you. That you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent. Change your thoughts. Change your thinking. And do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Wow. That's sobering. So the church in Ephesus was doing all the right things but it wasn't motivated by the love of Christ. We can be doing the right things with the wrong motive. So this one time I was in, uh, I think it was grade 12, and I was in theater class. And my buddy was sitting next to me. He was, he was a Christian as well. And we're talking, and um, he goes to me, oh, yeah, yeah, Jay, I was at this party, and you know, I was talking to this girl, and I blew smoke in her face. And I, I turned to him, and I said, you smoke? And I turned away from him and didn't talk to him the rest of the day. I'm a Christian. He's a Christian. What I did is I rejected him as a person. 
Love rejects the wrong, not the person. I was in, actually, if you want to call a spade a spade, I was acting in sin. By rejecting him as a person instead of rejecting the wrong. I mean, if you smoke, it's not going to send you to hell. It may smell like you've been there. That's an old one. You God, I've heard that before. I wasn't sure to pull that one out because like, I heard that a million times already. So this is super important, especially when we are trying to counter culture. We reject the wrong. We don't reject the people. Can you imagine if the Lord had that attitude? He would never have come out, come out of a perfect state of everything into a, a, a sinful, fallen place and actually mingled with people and touched them and, and lived with them. He rejected the wrong, but he loved the people. So what did the Lord call, you know... The, the Ephesus church was living a pure doctrinal life. It was pure. It was doctrine. It was good stuff. But what did the Lord call this? He called it a corporate sin that needed to be repented of. So resilient disciples live from a deep sense of God's love for them so that they reject the wrong but don't reject the person. This is how we live a counterculture life and not a combative life. We can disagree, but it doesn't mean we need to combat with people. It's not flesh and blood. I mean, really, seriously, if we took the time and the effort to, whether corporately or individually, to begin to, instead of attacking people and, oh, you don't believe like me, I'm going to cut you off. Instead of doing that, and we actually started taking the weapons of our warfare, and we started praying into those situations and taking the delegated authority that is yours and mine, we would see greater change. I mean, come on, we would. So what does it tell me is that corporately, and I'm not saying just us, corporately, and it's, it's how the enemy works, wag the dog. He'll wag something different, distract you, so you don't look at what the real problem is. Love is your weapon. Who's heard of the band Jerusalem? Anybody who's been saved? Yeah, I know Garnet because he's a rock and roll dude. So Jerusalem was a band, a Christian band, one of the pioneering Christian bands. Love these guys because... They just didn't get up and put on a show, man. These guys preached. They prophesied. And one night when I went to see them, the lead singer came down with his guitar. And he's singing this song, Love is Your Weapon. And he just walked through the crowd, laying hands on people. Love is your weapon. Love is your weapon. And that so impacted me. I mean, it's, it's almost taken me this long in my life, 40 years or more, to unpack that. Because I didn't walk in that for the longest time. Like I, with my friend, fuck, you smoke. Ugh, dirty, don't you sit in the other seat. Don't even touch me. That's not going to win anybody. It's not going to win anybody. So participating in a counter-cultural mission means serving as faithful, a faithful presence 
by trusting God's power and living different than the cultural norms. Resilient disciples share much consternation with what is wrong in the world, yet their conviction of what will bring healing and restoration differs from the ways of the world. We have to do it differently. So I don't shame you. I serve you. I don't humiliate you. I honor you. My aim is not to win a conversation. My aim is to win someone to Christ. John 6, 66. I've always was fascinated by that. 666. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Isn't that a sign of the mark? Then Jesus said unto the twelve, will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Has anyone here had people cancel them because of what they've said on social media? I have. That's why I don't even go that route anymore. (laughs) So let me give it just a little background, quick background. There's just a lot going on there. Leading up to John 6, 66. So... Before this, Jesus was healing the masses, healing the sick, casting out devils. He fed the 5,000. He walked on water. He was going viral. If we can put it in our today's terms, he was going absolute viral. People were scrambling in ships and in any mode of transportation they could to get where Jesus was. It was absolutely viral. So great multitudes at this point were following him. And at one point, they tried to seize him physically, forcibly, to make him their king. Jesus pulled the absolute, what would I call it? The counter-culture move he could have ever done. He dipped. Do you know what dipped is? <laughs> it's my, my kid's word. I was, my, my daughter goes, oh, uh, yeah, we dipped from that place. I go, what, what are you, dipping chicken nuggets? Like, what do you, what does that mean even? He left. He steps out of the limelight at this moment of great success and popularity and by world standards because he realizes that they are there for the wrong reasons. Who would do that? Most people think, well, I'm going to get, the more famous I am, the greater exposure I'm going to get. He's like, no, this is, they're, they're doing this out of the whole wrong motive and intent. And he removed himself from it. Culture loves to raise people up, to idolize people, to celebrate them, to label them as celebrities. And this is what the crowd does at first with Jesus. But Jesus was interested in in establishing a faith that was sacrificial, 
not self-centered, and about service to others, not being served. What did Jesus say? I came to serve. Can you think about this? Jesus said, I came to serve, not to be served. To set that example. The crowd was only concerned with what Jesus could produce for them physically and materially. And then Jesus begins this huge dissertation about drinking his blood and eating his flesh. This is at the point when the great number of his disciples departed and stopped following him. So there was an absolute mass exodus and the 12 disciples were the only ones who still stayed. What would we do if a mass of people that have been following us for who knows how long just, out of, just left and you're standing alone? I have to make a decision. Am I going to follow what everyone's doing? Or am I going to follow my conviction and my relationship that I have with Jesus? Regardless of what other people are walking away from him. And the disciples didn't even understand it. You know, not to mention the, all, all them that left. The disciples were walking with them. They still didn't understand, but they still stayed. You know why? Because they knew they were accepted. And they knew they were acceptable. The only thing that will keep us resilient and dedicated to Jesus is spending that time with him. There's just, I, I, I know it sounds so Christianese, but there's just no other way to say it. Like, you know, in worship, like you nailed it. It was such a sweet presence of the Lord here. It's times like that that we flourish. Spending time in his word because there's so many voices out there trying to steal our attention and trying to steal our motivation and, and destroy our purpose in life that we have to have his word ingrained in our hearts, in our mind so that we know what voice is talking to us. So that is being a resilient disciple. So I, I want to just take five minutes and I just want to release this word and I believe it's for our body. Dave, do you mind coming and playing? So part of the word, and this is what I believe the Lord spoke to me, is I want to release miracles. And I thought, okay, Lord, yeah, I, hallelujah, I believe you. And that's why I was just, I wanted to sit on that and then all of a sudden Bish started in this song and he started talking about the exact same thing and about we believe so the word is this so Matthew 9 two blind men come to Jesus they want to be healed they far as we know they've never seen their whole life the both of them so they come to him and this is what Jesus says I don't know are you able to put Matthew 9 up there 28 because it's important that you see it because sometimes what happens with our translations, they mean well a lot of the times. 
But sometimes, and I found a lot of sometimes in the word, it doesn't discourage me from going there. It just drives me to search more to what is actually being said. So the scripture says something, but what is it saying? Are you able to find it? This, this is going to blow, blew my mind. So when he had come into the house, the blind man came to him and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Okay, so the way that is translated right there, it's like, do you believe? Do you believe? Can you believe? So if that's the case, if that's, that is what it's saying, now the ability is up to you to believe. So now, because for hundreds of years, this has been translated that way, it has creeped into our mindset that somehow now I got to, with my own ability, I have got to somehow believe. And it, it's gotten to the point in the body of Christ where we're like, we look like that little kid in the corner trying to take a poop. It's like, what's that guy doing? Oh, he's trying to believe. Oh, okay. I get that. But no, it's not a criticism. Listen, this is going to remove the shackles of what this has put on people. So what they've done here, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Question mark. That means that would have to be in the subjunctive voice, which means they would grammatically have to put the question mark there because it's a question whether or not it will happen. That verse is not in the subjunctive. You can take that question mark, you can go to your Bible in that verse and scratch that out. Do you believe that I'm able to do this is in the imperative voice. The Lord is not asking them to believe. The Lord is commanding belief to rise up in them. He was commanding that belief to rise up. And all of, all of their response was, is yes, Lord. What is faith? Saying yes to his ability. Faith isn't our ability trying to believe. That's freedom. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Today, he's commanding belief to rise up that you have already. Faith, arise. That's what he's saying to us. And then he goes on to say this. Next verse. According to your faith, he now attributes what he did to you. And all they said is yes. And then he commanded their eyes to open. He commanded the faith to rise up and he commanded the solution. So today I know there may be many people here that you've been walking blind. That you may have thought you've lost sight of Jesus. And maybe even more than just losing sight, maybe you've become so blind you can't even see him in your circumstances anymore. You've been believing so hard and long. When it's not your ability 
It's just saying yes to his ability. That's faith. It's saying, yes, Lord, I receive healing. Yes, Lord, I receive that breakthrough. Yes, Lord, I receive that reconciliation that you've already purchased. Yes. It's a positive response to what he's already done. He's not asking us to try. He's providing it. He's providing the faith and the answer all at the same time. So this morning, I believe, Life Church, there, there's miracles that are going to bust loose in your life. Because you as a church are just going to start saying, yes, Lord, thank you. And our response is yes and thank you. Why don't we just together as a congregation just say, whatever it is you're believing God for, you don't have to say it out loud. You can say it underneath your breath because it may be a sensitive thing and I'm not asking for, you know, other people don't need to hear your personal things if you're not willing to divulge that. But what I would like us to do is whatever that thing is, is that you're, you're, you're believing God for what I'm telling you today, he's commanding the faith for you to receive that. So whatever that is, say it and then say, yes, Lord, I believe your ability. Just take a minute. We're not, this, this is important stuff. sense it there's eyes opening there's shackles dropping there's this is another another thing the lord said there's going to be a reclamation of lost inheritance reclamation of lost inheritance spiritually financially physically socially thank you for that lord Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church audio podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the Word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.